Welcome, language learners. I'm your host, Alexandria, of the Insecurities About Language podcast, where I will explore all types of language journeys from individuals, teachers, families teaching children, and really anyone who wants to have a conversation about language, what it means to them, and how it relates to their life. Also, I will tackle the death of languages within families. Now let's begin. All right, so welcome Greta to the Insecurities About Language podcast. We are going to be talking about the death of language within your family. So if you can please introduce yourself, tell us where you were born, where'd you grow up, and then a bit of your family's background as it relates to language. Okay, well, thank you so much for having me on your podcast, Alexandra. I really enjoy it and enjoy the effort that you're making. So again, my name is Greta. I was born on the island of St. Martin. That's a 37 square mile island in the Northeast Caribbean. That's where I was born. That's where I grew up. Um, a little bit about me. This island is considered to be the smallest island to be divided into two countries. So the northern half is an overseas territory of France and the southern half is part of the kingdom of the Netherlands. I was born on the French side of the island. I went to school on the Dutch side of the island. My mother is from St. Martin and comes from that French Caribbean background. And my father is from the island of Nevis, which is a British island or a former British colony. Growing up, we spoke English at home because on our island, English is the community language. So even though because of our history with colonialism, these um, other languages were part of our education. It was something that was basically that took place at school. So my mother would always tell us when she was going to school, there were rules in place that you had to speak French and only French in school. But among their peers, they always spoke English. So most of my maternal family are bilingual and they speak French and English. When my mother was going to school, there were laws in place. So you had to speak French always at all times when you were on the school grounds. But amongst their friends, they would always communicate in English. Um, and there were similar things in place on the Dutch side as well, too, where they had to speak Dutch in schools, but the community language has always been English. So for me, one might ask, okay, well, you speak English, so English is your family language. Well, why there's the death of language in my family was because my grandmother, due to economic situations, moved to the island of Guadeloupe after having my mother. So my mother remained on St. Martin with her great her grandmother and aunt. But my grandmother moved to Guadeloupe and had the rest of my aunts and uncles, another eight children. And they grew up there. And in Guadeloupe, they don't speak English. They grew up speaking French or Creole. So from the time when I was growing up, in order to communicate with that part of my family, there was a disconnect because I ended up not attending French schools. I attended an English school. And so there's always been a little block in communication because of that. And I think it struck me most, especially after having my kids, because I realized that um, if I didn't do something to allow them to have that mode of communication, then the separation between our families would continue because they don't have a language to join them together. So from there, I decided to work hard on my French and also bring my kids in and we would do it as a family and connect through the French language and bring our families back together as much as possible. What does the death of language within families mean to you? I think it means 
exactly just that what I was saying, where that um a sense of connection between families is missing and also a sense of culture that goes missing as well too, because language and culture are really intertwined and there are things that you pick up from being a part of a culture that if that doesn't continue sometimes through the language that it's lost and then you don't feel connected to that. And I noticed when um, generations don't feel connected to the language, they don't feel connected to the culture. So it becomes this, well, yeah, I know that was something in my family, but I, I never experienced it. So I can't connect with it. I can't claim it. And then, so there's a loss of identity in the death of a language. So it's like a trickle down effect. Oh man, I totally related to that right there. Um, I, I do agree with that yeah. language and culture yeah. um, being intertwined. And if it's never there, then there's an identity issue going on. And I didn't, I didn't want that for my kids, especially that they couldn't connect. So I wanted them especially to connect with their cousins and extended mm -hmm. family. Can you talk more about your history with your family's language, where it started and where did it stop with the parents, the grandparents, the great grandparents? Sure. Okay. So I would say from my, I'll start with my great grandmother. My great grandmother was also born on the French side of the island. But at that time, I'm guessing that formal education wasn't really a part of her upbringing. So she might have known some things, but again, I think she more communicated with the community language, which was English. But it was really important to her that her children and grandchildren got a good education. So I think from my grandmother's era forward, there was this sense in the community to always speak the, how do you say it? I don't know a better way of saying it other than the colonizer's language. Like, you know, you speak that language so that you can get opportunities to advance in your life and in your community. So my grandmother's generation, um, they all strove to better themselves through education as much as they can, even though the opportunities were still limited. So my family actually spread out, and you'll find that a lot with a lot of Caribbean families. So I have a great uncle that ended up moving to the Dominican Republic, and his family continued with then the Spanish language. I have another great aunt that moved to Curacao, and in Curacao, they speak uh, Papimento, and they learn Dutch. My grandmother, as I said, she lived in Curacao for a while, and she moved to Guadeloupe, so then her heritage continued in French and Creole, and the other two stayed in St. Martin, where they continued with French and English, but St. Martin is the most, I would say, bilingual community out of those, especially when it comes to English. So those who remained on this island spoke French and English. So for me growing up, um, I always wanted to learn French because whenever I was around our family, the extended family, it was a part of our growing up. You know, they meet you, we greet with the two kisses. They would say, ça va? You know, you answer, ça va bien? So I always knew that there was another language that was a part of my community. Growing up, if my mother took us to the doctor's offices, pharmacies, all of these things in our, in our community are in French. So I always knew that, hey, there's this other language here, but I never understood why I didn't speak it. Because even in our song, um, our St. Martin song, it says, 
with people French and Dutch, those talking English much. And I, I knew that I had the French identity, um, you know, ID passport, but why didn't I speak French? So as I grew, I came to understand that in around the late 70s, I would say early 80s, there was a movement to start with English education on our island. And the reason for this is because, like I mentioned, English was our community language. And there was a movement to say that, well, if we could get educated in our mother tongue, it would be better for students because they would be able to advance more in their education. So English schools were adopted on the Dutch side of the island. And I attended one of those schools. So my education was in English. We got Dutch as a second language, as a class that you get daily. But um, French didn't come in until high school. So I was now attending school over there. And I would ask my mother, you know, well, why didn't you teach French to me? And she explained to me that, you know, when she married my dad, because he was from an English island and he wanted to be involved in our education. So he really wanted us to go to the English school. And she always thought because she learned French in school that it was something that, well, you'll get it like when you go to school. But learning a language the way she did, where it was like completely in that language versus me getting French in secondary school was not the same level. So from very young, I also asked her that, you know, she thought I was interested in it. She got me books and things that I could self-study with. And I did that from as young as eight, I would say, so that I could try to communicate with my cousins. Because I even had cousins who ended up moving to France and they would come visit. And the biggest issue was I didn't know how to teach myself a language, especially at that young. So I started memorizing phrases, and then sometimes I would get them wrong, and I would feel so embarrassed. You know, maybe somebody asked, oh, como uh, uh, tu? You know, what's your name? And I remember one time answering, like, oh, um, and I'm answering my age instead of the question about name because I tried to memorize all these little phrases, and I felt so embarrassed. And I kept saying to myself, you know what? I'm not going to speak. I'm not going to speak again until I learn this language. When I learn everything and I, you know, I do everything in this book, then I'm going to speak. And I think that kind of traumatized me a lot through growing up. And even when I would meet people and, you know, in schools and some, oh, well, you know, I'm French. People are like, oh, you can't be French. You don't speak French, you know, haha. And that made me very insecure about expressing who I really was or what my identity was. And that's basically how I grew up with for the longest until um, I thought to myself, you know what, maybe it's, maybe it's too late for me, you know. I didn't get it, but I'm going to make sure that my kids learn this language so they don't feel that sense of disconnectedness that I felt growing up because I really wanted to, you know, connect to the culture and be a part of my family. It's not, and it's not to say that they made me feel that way. It's what I felt because I wanted to connect more on a deeper level. I wanted to be able to connect and have conversations without needing people to translate for me. And I felt like something was taken away from me by not having that. Can you speak more on like the laws that were put in place that prohibited, you know, these languages being taught in school or in your community? Were there any specific laws? There were not specific laws that, that I would say, like if not that someone would, um, you know, on the streets that they would stop you or anything like that. But 
especially in the schools, I think like the headmasters and stuff would try to instill. So if they, they heard you speaking the languages, um, speaking English, let's say, out in the classroom, you might get in punishment. So I think a lot of the kids, they would stay together and have their conversations amongst each other. And the reason for that, I think, I think in their minds, it definitely was a power control thing, but it was also that, well, the only way you're going to learn this language is if we force you to speak it at all times. But that wasn't something that they were able to do throughout the island. I think the only place that they really could control that, I would say, is in, in school. And then the thing is, a lot of government places, in those institutions, they were already mostly run by Europeans. So it would be normal, like, you know, if you're going to go to the, the Mary or the Palais de Justice and stuff like that, that it's going to be in those languages. And um, you can imagine that that would be difficult for people, you know, if you have a court case or certain things that um, require a deeper knowledge in the language and you didn't have it. And I think that that's why a lot of times, too, for that, my grandparents' generation, they just felt like, well, you should learn these languages because if you do, it's going to help you in life to be able to succeed, to help you to, to move forward. Was there any shame surrounding the use of the language, like with the different generations of your family? Oh, that's a very interesting question. Was there any shame? Huh. So like I said, it's, it's, it's kind of a different thing for, for me. So from my side, I felt shame for not being able to communicate in, in, in French because I wanted to be able to do that. I think it was easier for my extended side of the family. I don't think that they had the same shame about not being able to speak English because at that point they had moved to Guadeloupe. I think they probably had a desire because English is a is an international language to want to speak it, but it didn't affect their day-to-day living. So I don't think that there was shame in that. Because of that, the way how our communities developed on two separate islands. So I think the feeling was a little bit different, I would say. So for me, I really didn't start thinking about like my family's language until a few years ago. So when did you start thinking about your heritage language and wanting to learn it or just questioning what happened? I think it was going on for me since childhood because I had had this on again, off again thing with wanting to learn French, but not knowing exactly how to do it. So I would start and sometimes give up because I, I did it in primary, in high school, even in university, I took French. but um. Yeah, not able to get to the level that I, I wanted to or the, the ease of comfort with speaking. When it changed for me was when my grandmother passed away. That was kind of like, I think, the big turnaround. So in 2017, my grandmother passed away and I had to go to Guadeloupe. And when I went at that time and, you know, all the family has come from whether it's St. Martin, from France, from all over. And... I'm trying to communicate again with one of my aunts and my mother is there acting as a translator for me. And I literally lost it. I got so upset. <laughs> when I think back on it, I'm laughing, but it was like something 
came over me and I like I think it was from the years of maybe trying and maybe things not working out. And I said, Mom, why did you do this? Why didn't you teach me French? You know? Why didn't you do this? Because I felt like something was missing. I felt disconnected. I felt I just don't have a word for, for what I was feeling at that time. But you know, in that moment something really strange happened. I felt like I was given a new purpose, so to speak. And I just felt something tell me, it's like, it's never too late. It's only too late if you stop trying, which is what had happened before. So I just changed my mindset and I was like, wait a minute. Use what you have. And from this day forward, keep learning, keep practicing, do your research and make sure that you can make that connection. Because that's the word I kind of, heard in my spirit like you know you have to be the connection between you and the rest of your family and so I did that and because it wasn't that I didn't have any French I wasn't like a beginner because I had been learning so much on and off and it kind of freed me so I started speaking and other family members were like eh, eh, I didn't know you could you could speak French or I didn't know you could say these things but I was always afraid because oh my grammar isn't correct my pronunciation isn't correct because that in the times past, I would try with my mother and she would always tell me, oh, like, you know, your accent is really bad. And <laughs> so those type of things discouraged me. And I decided to, like, look at it differently and say, you know what? This is who you are. You speak English, but you have part of you comes from a French background. So, you know, it's just like if a French person is speaking English and they have, like, a heavy French accent, we don't judge them and say, oh, my goodness, it's terrible. You know, we're... we're cognizant and happy that they're you know trying to speak English so I said it's just the same thing so I have to understand yes I speak English and if I speak French and I have a little bit of an accent it's okay and that freed me and allowed me to start speaking I started speaking I would research different um, YouTubers who were on language learning journeys get some hacks and just started to surround myself with the language as much as possible and now I am in a better place I'm Still not where I would like to be, but much, much better place than, than where I was before. Like, you know, there's a thing that they say, um, I can debris. I can, I can get around. I can go into a shop. I can ask for what I need. I can communicate with my aunties. Cause from that trip when my grandmother passed away, I decided, you know what? I'm going to visit more. I'm going to come back on my own. And I did it in 2020. We went again in 2022. I'm trying to make that a part of my routine to stay connected. And it, it's, it's really been a blessing. It's helped so much. Oh, that's so great to hear. And I like that you've already talked about yeah. like what that thing that was missing. Can you talk a bit more about it? Like within your family's home, not being taught the language at home? How it made me feel not being able, not yes. being taught the language at home. I think for me, not being taught the language at home made me feel like a part of my identity was missing which is basically what we were talking about before, because, um, yeah, this was a part of my cultural identity and not speaking the language made me feel a disconnect to it. And like I said, so when I would interact with even peers or someone and I tell them where I'm from, it's like, oh, you're from the French side, but you don't speak French. Ha, ha, ha. That thing went so deep inside of me and made me feel so bad like well where do I belong because I'm not this I'm not that I'm not like well then what am I you know so 
this is why it's it's so important to me and I tell it to people all the time because I meet people uh, as a teacher and parents who are raising kids and sometimes not thinking about the language that they speak, you know, and passing it on to their children. And I always encourage them to do it, do it, do it. Even if it seems difficult, do it, do whatever you can, because they're not going to regret it. Even if you feel like you're in a situation where, well, you know, they don't really need it here. You know, it's not the, they're speaking the community language. We want them to advance in school. There's nothing greater than your, your sense of self-worth and your identity and being able to connect to your family. To me, there's nothing more important than that. So if you can do something to help your kids with that, do it. You know, I, I listened to, um, the, it was, a, it was another parent at the school and they said, you know what? They're sending their kids to school to learn another language. And I said, this is our gift to them. When they grow up, they don't want to use it. That's fine. But this is our gift to them. And I thought that that was just amazing. And that if as parents you have it, just give them the gift. If they don't want to use it, that's okay. But you've done your part the best that you can. Are you enjoying this language journey that you're going through? Very much so. Very, very much so. It like opens your eyes. It's like the world was, it's almost like the world was flat before and now it's wrong because I can see things from different perspectives. I can read news from other perspectives. I can communicate to people with people in different ways that I could, I didn't realize before that I was only living, let's say, in like one part of the world. And I can imagine with the many languages, there are just so many other things to see, but just in opening my mindset to being open to the French language. It's just opened so many things and so many opportunities as well, too. So I find it's just been um, amazing because, as I mentioned, I work as a teacher. Um, so I teach online and I give uh, classes in person. I give classes for people who want to learn English and being able to see the joy that it gives them to learn another language. It's like, this is just it's literally a gift. Languages are such a gift to be able to give someone that ability to communicate with someone else in another language. It, it really is something that's so, so special to me. Do you have like a helping community to help you like continue your language learning journey? Yes, actually, in a sense, I do. I joined Toastmasters and we have a bilingual club on our island. And I joined that club for that purpose because I wanted an outlet to be able to continue with my French and to speak, get more comfortable with speaking. And that was one of the best decisions I made because in one sense, I was just looking at it as the opportunity to, you know, maybe give some speeches, gain some confidence. But what it it did was give me a network. So a network of friends and a network to opportunities because when you know other speakers in in your target language, then um, you just learn more nuances you learn you get more avenues to practice and you build friendships and you know so it gives you something with a firm foundation so that was really good news I would say that was one of the best networks that I have made and that I'm still a part of today I did also make a very good I call her my pen pal but after I came back from my grandmother's funeral in Guadeloupe I had joined this app it was I don't know if it's still around it's called Tiki 
And so it's like a language exchange. So I found someone who was French who wanted to learn English and I was English wanted to learn French. And she ended up being actually from Guadeloupe. And we started with sending text messages and audio messages. And then when I went back to Guadeloupe, we met for the first time and we're still friends today. So, What keeps you motivated to continue the learning process? Oh, wow. So many things. Um, that word that I got at my grandmother's, you know, about making connections and being a bridge um, within my family first, but also within our community, because I do live in a, an international community or multilingual community, but sometimes I realize that we live in pockets. And that might happen in bigger cities as well, too. People who, you know, are of the same culture and linguistic background, they stay together. And I realized when you are able to speak another language, you're able to be a bridge. And I think that helps to reduce conflict when you're able to understand different people. So that keeps me motivated. My children keep me motivated. The family connection keeps me motivated. Because every time that I see that I could do something that I couldn't do before. And it, it's like a rush. <laughs> it's so exciting. It's like, wait a minute, I couldn't say that before. That word just came to me or I said this smoothly. And it, I don't know, it's in my adult age, it's like a, a little challenge. I'm always fearful of it going into new situations. But every time I accomplish it, it's like, yeah, you did it. You can do it, you know? So that, that in itself keeps me very motivated. How has learning a new language helped you in your native language? I think it has helped me to understand, to see my language in a, in a different way and to understand the nuances about it as well, too. And I can give you an example. Like the last time I was in Guadeloupe, I was with my cousin, my cousin and my uncle. And... They now they are sometimes listening to music that's in English. So they were listening to this artist. He's from Trinidad, so it's Caribbean music folk. And they were like, I really like this song, but I don't know what um they are saying. So they're telling me this in French. So now I'm trying to translate the song to them. And the song is called Test by Hello. So I'm trying to translate it to them and I'm explaining to them like, Oh, he's saying, um, you know, are you girl, are you ready? Are you ready for this? you know? Come give me this this um this wine. But then I had to explain to them, okay, wine, it means dancing. But I said but you wouldn't use the word wine if you're talking to maybe Americans or British people because that's like a uniquely Caribbean word. When we say wine, it's like a uh, you know, you're curving your waist, you're going around, you know. And there was another word like that that was used and it made me think, Oh, you know, so even in English, sometimes we forget we think like English is so universal, but having to break it down and explain to them, okay, but yeah, this is this kind of English or this is that kind of English. Um, Another good example is with my pen pal. You know, she was typing to me one day and she said to me, oh, well, the, the N-word, because I don't know if I can say that on your podcast, like, and please. And I was like, I had to explain to her, like, because she doesn't speak English, she didn't understand that that word is like, you know, derogatory, that you don't really use it like that. Because again, maybe she's hearing it in music or in songs. And, you know, especially in uh, African-American music, the term is used so loosely. 
So when I kind of explained it to his mom, she's like, you know, she didn't realize, oh, people don't just walk around saying this to each other all the time. I'm like, no, not really. Yeah, it wouldn't be good to use. You don't want to just use that word loosely like that. So it becomes like, a, again, that's where like the culture and education comes in. So this is a podcast about insecurities about language as well. Uh, so what are your insecurities about your language process? Uh, there's so many. <laughs> my insecurities are my accent. My accent, even though I have embraced it a lot more and I'm okay with it, but I know, you know, I know it's not 100% grammar and I know I'm not 100%, but I had to overcome that, as I said before, in order to get the confidence to speak. And to me, to me, it's been a better approach to get over the insecurity and fear about the accent and the grammar and be able to just communicate with people versus before my mentality was get everything right. You have to have it all correct before you can even speak and then never having the confidence to speak or communicate with someone. So I think those are my biggest insecurities. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. No, those, that, that would generally be it. So I've just learned that um, if, I, if it's a situation that I feel unsure about, I always preface it with either, you know, the Malang Matanel. It's not my maternal language, not my mother tongue, but, you know, and I will still go into situations sometimes if it's a friend situation, asking the person if they speak English first. And if they do, I will go to English. But if they don't or they say, well, not so much, then I say, okay, it's okay. I, I speak a little French too, and then we're able to communicate like that as well. But I do like the challenge of being somewhere where they don't speak English because I realize that you have to push yourself to grow. So I really prefer to be in those environments because when I'm in an environment where the person speaks both, then, you know, I don't want them to turn and speak English to me because like, oh, well, let me help you. Because even if it seems like I might be struggling to find a word or something, I like doing that because it, it builds my, my, my language muscles. It helps me to grow. You know, I can say um, something that me and my language partner did. I think we did for a while. Because, like, I would put a limit on myself. I think I did, like, either 90 days where it was, like, I had to speak French for 15 minutes every day. So I would do that with her and another partner I have. And then what we would do with that is 15 minutes French and then 15 minutes English. So both people are gaining from the exchange. Another thing we do sometimes is if we're having a conversation, um, she will just keep speaking to me in English and I will keep responding in French. So that way we don't have to have that um, time limit, but then that way she gets a chance to practice speaking and I get a chance to practice speaking. But it's good to have sometimes some parameters and to make sure that both people are gaining from the language exchange process. Definitely. All right. So my final question, which is my fun question, um, what is your favorite word, favorite saying or phrase in English and in French? And if you can say it in both languages. Oh, okay. My favorite expression. My favorite expression is, well, I'm going to give a Creole one first. Because I learned this pretty early on. It's um, funny problem. Seems like, don't worry about it. No problem. In French, it's pas And in English, you know, no worries. 
So that's one of my favorite expressions. But a word I really like in French is franchement. It means like frankly. And I like to say that word because I know that R's are something that are very difficult for English speakers, the way they, they say it. And so every time when I say it and it kind of rolls off, the franchement, and I hear it, I'm like, oh, I think I did that okay. You know, I just think it's a good word for me to practice. Yes. All right. Thank you so much, Greta, for being on the Insecurities About Language podcast. This was very touching because I, I felt a lot of what you were saying, especially in the beginning. So thank you so much for telling your story. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I hope that the audience uh, enjoys it as well. Too. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the Insecurities About Language podcast. Please make sure to follow, rate, and review this podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. And follow the podcast on Instagram at Insecurities About Language and say hi.